Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of 40s with Friends. Just some drinks, some homies. We got some great stories to share with you guys today. But before we get into them, let's uh, do a lot some homies. Eddie, Fonzo, Waco all the way from the great Midwest. What Woo-hoo. up, Playboys? How's everybody doing tonight? What's up? Doing fantastic. Yo! What you drinking on, Waco? Oh man, I can't be honest with you guys, man. I'm sipping on water and Pedialyte, man. I'm 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 going through a tough one today. Uh, I drank a little bit too much wine last night, and uh, so I'm. Total city. I've been nursing a hangover all day, man. Total city. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Total waterfalls. Pour out a little water. For the it happens. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah, man. The older I get, the more it happens. Happens to the best of us. Ask Ask Paulo Costa. Yeah, awesome middleweight, heavy middleweight championship of the world. <laughs> right That's, on. How Fair you enough. doing, Eddie? What are you sipping on tonight? I am sipping on a proper twelve Irish whiskey. Uh, I, I taste the hints of uh, vanilla. Oh, quite delicious! Quite best twenty dollar bottle of whiskey I've ever had. <laughs> hints what of vanilla. You, what are you I'll, sipping I'll, on, sir? I, Oh, I, I'm sipping on some. Uh, Sign off on that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm sipping on some uh, uh, bourbon, High West. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some a Mexican American. gets a six-figure job and he buys bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. It, it was a gift. Who got gift. rims that check hadn't even cleared yet? <laughs> <laughs> I got spinners. I'm bringing them back. I'm bringing them back. <laughs> they're, 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 they're hubcaps, though. The, the check hasn't cleared yet, so I have to get the hubcaps. All right. What about you, Frank? What you what you drinking on? Well, I feel like a fucking low-life piece of shit because I'm just drinking Smirnoff Ice Smash Screwdriver. But um, oh. Did you hey, go to a high school next party? Time, next time I'll be in the 90s? Well, what else are you supposed to drink at those parties? <laughs> Dang, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was 40s with friends. <laughs> 40s with haters. <laughs> yeah. All of, a, all of a sudden, you, the grimiest fools, all of a sudden have more. All right. All right. All of a sudden, you guys got standards. Shame on you, Eddie. I remember one night rolling up to a 7-Eleven and we were scrounging around for change in the car and we bought a 12-pack of Keystone Light. Best money <laughs> we ever Eddie spent. I remember. We were 72 cents short and the and guy was like, just get out of here. Started- and you took it out of a homeless <laughs> man's can. <laughs> I remember. No, we went to a party. Tell the story. Tell the story. Oh, no, no. Nope, like, I'm we, right here. We were 72 cents short and the guy was like fed up with us, the clerk, and he told us just to get the hell out of here. So we came up 72 cents and then we went to the party with the Keystone Light, walked in with Keystone Light, walked to out of the party with Heineken's. The old switcheroo. Boom! That's how you do it. Sounds about right. Yeah. All right. All right. That's how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you do it. If you're paying attention, you can learn a whole lot. <laughs> right. Speaking of learning a whole lot, how about we get into these uh stories? Let's Fonzo, do it. What, right, man. With, what are you gonna share with us tonight, man? Well, dude, um, you know, one of the things that I was I was reading about recently and kind of um, um looking into recently is um 
the new immigration reform bill that that's making its way, you know, through Congress and and soon to the Senate or whatever. I actually already passed the House of Representatives, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's on the Senate floor. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it kind of made me think about, you know, past reforms and stuff like that. And, you know, of course, when I was growing up, you know, I come from a lot of like a long uh, a family, like just uh, who like been immigrants, you know, for for a long time. Like my grandpa, dude, he was a bracero back in the day. Um, and he's telling me stories when I was a kid about those times. You know, um, you know, people in my family told me their stories about how they came to the United States. And man, some of those stories, are, you know, crazy. Like, I, I just can't imagine how some people just put themselves through that, you know, just so that way they can live just a little bit better, you know, and, mm-hmm. and what my, my own parents kind of went through. Um, so kind of made me think about about all that and reflect reflect on it. And then just thinking about, well, you know, what's the difference? Like, right. Why is, you know, cause we keep on talking about it. every time there's an election year, uh, especially when Democrats are about to, you know, be, <clears throat> be in power, this, this subject comes up and it gets attention for a little while and it just kind of fizzles. Mm-hmm. And it, I started thinking about, well, what, what makes this reform different and also the same as the 1986 bill, right. That was, that was, um, that was passed under Reagan. And when I was looking into it, well, Reagan's bill, um, really only did two things, right? Like it, uh, one of the things was that uh, it, it, um, it, it granted amnesty for immigrants that were here uh, for uh, prior to a certain time. And I, I believe it was 1982. It was like prior to 1982. If you were here, uh, you know, undocumented, you, you could uh, qualify under this, under this amnesty provided that you were able to uh, pass a background check and, and a few other other um, regulations and, you know, obviously pay the application fee and stuff like that. And then the other one was um, to like supposedly about creating uh, measures to reduce uh, undocumented immigration, but obviously that shit didn't work. Right. So like over the years, more and more people ended up coming over the United States that were undocumented. So I started thinking, well, why not? Right. Like what, what's this like, why are more people coming over without going through the proper channels, right? Because that's one of the biggest things that, that you talk about or that people talk about when discussing immigration. It's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm all for Im- immigration. It just has to be done the right way and the legal way, right? But when you start looking at it, it's not that simple. Like, it's not as easy as, as just coming over. And, and the fact is that there's jobs out here that require this labor, and so there's a huge demand for these these jobs, I mean, for these workers and the legal way, so to speak, isn't delivering on those demands. So the only other way is to get people over here, you know, the way they've been getting here. So, well, you know, so I started thinking about this reform bill and what is it going to do? Right. This new bill that's that's in, in the Senate floor right now. Um, it's actually way more way bigger than the 1986 bill. And what it's doing is, one, anybody who's a DACA, uh, who whoever applied for a DACA uh, or, or was a DACA uh, recipient, right, will automatically be put into, um, I, I believe, they, they will get permanent residency status, like automatically. If Alfonso, yes. Could you quickly explain what DACA is to those yeah. who, people who may not know, please? Yes. So, so DACA is um, the... I, I'll struggle to get the actual, and I'll look it up. 
But the DACA program, what essentially what it did is for uh, any any anybody who's under age, under 16 years of age that was brought here uh, by their parents um, unwittingly, um, they qualified for a special type of, of stay. So they it, it allowed them to stay in the country. Um, and also they it, it allowed them to go um, to have jobs. So they got like a, a special social security card that allowed them to, to go to work, join the military, and then uh, seek higher education. Um, opportunities, right? Uh, so that th- that's a DACA program, essentially. It's just for anybody who's, who's um, brought to the United States before they were at the age of 16 by their parents or somebody else. So they got, they, they were able to receive those benefits. Uh, so anybody who... Thank you. Yeah, thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, and so anybody who, who received those benefits, if this bill passes all the way through and gets signed with no modifications, that's something that would happen. All those people would automatically be granted permanent residence. Another thing that would happen is anybody who was um, an undocumented immigrant in the United States before, I believe it's January 20th, 2017, um, would qualify for a temporary status of, of um, residency. So there wouldn't be residents, but they would be like, I forget what the actual term is, but they would be um, like be in consideration for permanent residency. And they would have this, this consideration for five years. So they have to be in the status for five years and prove that they are, you know, lawful citizens are productive, all the stuff. And then they can, they can petition to become permanent residents. And then after that, they can p- petition to become U.S. citizens. Um, a lot of this also has to do with farm workers, right? Agricultural workers. So there's um, there's provisions as well for those. So if there's if um, you can prove that you you've been working in agriculture for X amount of time, you would also be able to qualify for these um, for that for that temporary um, stay, right? That will eventually lead to permanent residency status. So we're talking about like million, millions of people qualifying for this amnesty, right? Um, you know, to kind of give perspective, I was reading about the the um, uh, the people that benefited under Reagan's amnesty. It was like 2.7 million people, which is a lot. And this one, um, if I'm misquoting here, I, I got to say it's at least three times as many. Um, but so it, it's, a, it's a way more massive reform bill, right? Which is, I believe it's necessary, you know, Especially because it's it's one of the things that just it, look if you look around here these things are needed man like labor is needed out here and, and it's obvious that people who live here who are citizens of this country are not going to be doing that labor you know so you have to provide people with the means to legally migrate and and do the work and then also once they're doing it give them the benefit of being able to qualify for for permanent residency or citizenship at some point right. Like Alfonso, can I share something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Um, the the United Farm Workers uh, website uh, uh, put out job postings. This was about five or six years ago, um, and the job postings were for U.S. citizens. Um, there were one hundred seventy five thousand openings for for farm labor jobs. Um, out of the one hundred seventy five thousand jobs, twelve Americans applied by the oh. first week. Yeah. 12 out, out of 175,000 within the first week out of the 12, only three stayed on. 
And after the first month, all three, uh, three of those quit. Mind you, they were getting paid. This was six years ago, 15 bucks an hour, uh, full medical benefits, full 401 and 457K and retirement. But the Damn. labor was so intense <laughs> all 12 quit after a month, essentially. Shit, I'll quit my job right now and do that right now instead. Yeah. So just to <laughs> highlight what you're saying, Alfonso. Yeah, man. Um, you know, it's one of those things that it, it, it's kind of crazy to me because, like I said, I, I grew up hearing these stories of, of family and friends and stuff like that who've gone through these and like this just unbelievable and, and terrible experiences just to get here. And, you know, it, it's like it's unbelievable to me that there's there's there hasn't been any new opportunities for people to to like to do this, to make this migration and not have to go through all those terrible experiences. And I'll share and I'll share one, dude. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say who it was, um, but, you know, somebody that I grew up with um, shared with me that. Dude, they, they hired a coyote, right? And they were going through the desert. Um, the, you always try to pick a time where it's not as, not as, um, the weather is not as bad, you know, like it's not so hot, obviously. But if you, you know, it, it, it can also be kind of tricky because temperatures also drop heavily at night. So you could also, you know, if you're not careful, you can get hypothermia, right? Like from, from being out and like fucking cold as shit. So what happened is that these people were walking through the desert you know, um, in the Sonoran desert, trying to get over to this side. And um, they ran into, well, they hired a coyote. And somehow there was like two, two coyotes that were, that were, um, that were leading this group of people. And we're talking about, uh, they said about 35 people, something like that, 35, 40 people. So there was quite a bit of them. <laughs> and um, they split up the groups. And um, one of the coyotes like was really well known to this person I'm talking about, like they, they knew this person and worked with them. The other one was kind of fairly new, but he ended up in the group of the, the other guy. Right. And so they got split up somehow. I don't know why, but they ended up getting split up and he goes with this new guy. And, you know, all of a sudden um, towards the middle of the desert, once they've already crossed, they were uh, there's this like pickup trucks, like an SUVs that, that ended up like driving out to the desert where they were at. They were loaded onto there. At this point, they still thought it was just part of the plan. But they found out that, like, you know, later on, they were taken to the safe house and they were they were just kept there, dude, for days. And like they were being asked, like, who their family members were and they were asking for ransom money. So they were kidnapped for a week, dude. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. So they were just held in this in this little room, dude. Hella, you know, like boarded up windows, boarded up doors, like people with guns just kind of just you know, monitoring them. And they had like a telephone and every once in a while they would just, they would just like call on somebody, Hey, call your family members. We need this much money. Let them know if they don't pay, let them know we're going to kill you. You know? So they were just like, what the fuck? Uh, so for five days, this kind of went on until finally, you know, this person I'm talking about, you know, family paid. They didn't oh. pay. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the good thing was they, they kept her word. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they were, yeah, they were like, all right, fine. You can go, you know what I'm saying? But there's no guarantee, you know what I'm saying? Like you pay them. All right, here's, here's your cash. And then you're still dead. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know, man, like that kind of shit. It just, you don't think about like all the stuff that, that people go through. At least I didn't when I was growing up, you know, but that's the kind of stuff that you're thinking about. Like, man, these people put this kind of 
they go through this stuff just so they can have a better life. And not only them, but, you know, their kids. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and um, there's got to be a better way, you know, especially because people can say all they want that, you know, they, they don't need all this labor, but it, they do. It's needed out here. They, they need to provide a way for people to get here and not have to go through all that shit. You know, Alfonso, one of the things that, you know, a lot of times in this conversation, um, you know, there's something called push and pull. And a lot of times we talk about the pull, you know, why are people being pulled into this country? Um, but we don't talk about the push is why are they being pushed out of their own countries, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, a lot of this stuff, a lot of, uh, a lot of people are, they're coming here to seek uh, uh, safety from, you know, things that are going on in their own countries, you know? Right. And, and we can't pretend that uh, American foreign policy doesn't have anything to do with that. You know, I mean, it's not a it's not a surprise that, you know, Amen. We, sort of, we sort of set up, you know, uh, these wars in, in a lot of Central American countries. And there's there's a great book called Talons of the Eagle that talks about damn near every war we've been to in, in the Central Latin America. But, you know, American foreign policy has has a lot to do with creating, you know, these gangs, cartels, et cetera, et cetera, in these countries. And, and people are are leaving because they're scared. You know, I mean, it's very traumatic to leave your own country, not because they like they seek they're seeking the glamour and glitz of America, but because if they don't, they'll be killed in their own country or their children will be killed in their own country. I mean, in my opinion, that's a, that's almost a bigger deal than than where they go. You know what I mean? Um, so until the long game, you know, we talk about the short game and and it's hard, man. The short game is hard because, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, levers in this whole system, but the long game is we, we've got to make those countries bearable for their own people. And, and American foreign policy has got to change so that that their countries are more bearable for them, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, man. I mean, think about that. How, 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 how tough does your situation have to be to uproot your whole life? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah you're absolutely exactly right. right. Yeah. Well, yeah, every, just, um, God, countless times we've gone into not only in countries in Latin America, but in the Middle East and overthrown democratically elected presidents and installed our own president, our own corporate president. And, um, and that's what led to the wars. That's what, like Waco said, led to the gangs. That that's what led to people having to flee their own country for for their own safety. You know, um, we have a lot of blood on our hands, man. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you, um, Joaquin, for for expanding um, yeah. on that issue. No, definitely, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of aspects to this conversation, you know, and and if I can bring in, you know, other aspects that, you know, aren't always talked about, I I try to. Yeah. So you know, in, in on reading this, um, you know, I I do hope some finally happens, you know, because like I said, man, the last time was 1986. I can, that's long ass time ago, and. Um, Something needs to be done, man. Like, and and people people are hurting all over the place. And look, I mean, you, you can you can say, yeah, people are hurting here in the United States, but it's 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 not the same. It's just not the same, you know. Like, it just it just isn't, you know. And and we can't we can't ignore that fact that just, um, you know, pe- people need to be here. 
to do the work that needs to be done. And it just like, like I said before, man, like we got to provide a safe way for people to do that. Yeah, we all all benefit from it. You know what I'm saying? We all benefit from it. We we love going to the grocery store and picking out, you know, all the vegetables that you want, everything that you, you know, like, you know, what happened during the pandemic when everybody was like fucking, um, you know, panic buying, you go to the grocery store, shit, there's no lettuce, there's no tomato, there's no, you know what I'm saying? Like, who puts all that shit there? Yeah. Um, Not only that, man, but I mean, you've seen those pictures. Those guys are still working in the pan during the pandemic, you know? Yes. I mean, and during, I mean, there's, you've seen pictures in California of the fires. Oh, yeah. I mean, those fires butted right up against those fields. Those dudes are still out there working, you know? <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's honorable, you know, what they're doing, but at the same time, man, like, I don't, I don't also don't want to glorify the trauma that these people are enduring. You know, a lot of times we're like, Hey, you know, Mexicans can do this. Mexicans do that. But also, man, those people are really suffering, you know and I mean? In those fields, I mean, they're spraying, you know, pesticides over top of the, some of those fields sometimes, you know, while, while people are still working. I mean, there's a lot of trauma that's going on in there. So at, at the time where I, you know, I do, I, it, it is inspiring, you know, to see those people working through that and to know that they share the same bloodline as me, but it's also, you know, I don't want to be overly glorifying it. It's like, that's some painful shit that they're enduring, you know? Yeah. They, they, they shouldn't have to be, they, they deserve better. Be doing yeah. Well, it's the promise of the, ne- of, of doing it for the next generation, you know, and that's, and that's exactly what inspires them to endure that shit. Yep. And it's yep. what my parents endured and my grandparents endured so so that I could be where I'm at, you know? Yep. Salute to that. I hit the PD like. Yeah, man. And that, that, was, that was my story. That was great, Alfonso. Thank you for, for bringing Thank that up, man. I remember I shared a video a while back about a truck driver crossing the border from Mexico into the United States. I don't know if you yeah. guys remember the post. Yeah, yeah. And it was a clip about a guy who was at the border he got stopped by Border Patrol, you know, just crossing the border. And the Border Patrol agent asked him if he had, um, what was he bringing across? And he, I forgot what he said. I think he said auto parts or something like that. And then the guy goes, is it just you? And he goes, yeah, just me. And he goes, all right, go on. And he rolls the window up and he crosses. And within like five seconds, he's like, I can't remember what the guy's name was. Pedro, I think his name was. And he's like, Pedro, we did it. Pedro, we made it to United Estados Unidos. We're here. And you can just hear the joy and the relief in his voice of them making it. You know, who knows how far or what they had to get through to get here. And it just made me think about my mom and about my parents, you know, my family members, my uncles, my aunts, some cousins who struggled so hard to get over here just to not even get a piece of the pie. You know what I mean? People get pissed because they say they're coming over here to take people's jobs. But, dude, they're not taking any jobs that you don't want. And if they're taking your job, then you're a sorry-ass piece of shit. You need to fucking educate yourself or do something. Um, but I- I'm just thankful that they, that, they sh- that they went through what they went through to get where all of us here, man. And there's so many people that are already here. And they came through the same situation as us. And kind of just seems like some people, as soon as they get over here, they just forget about all that. And then they want to close that door for the next person. I don't think that's right. Not to say that we got to let everybody in here. um, Because there are some people that get here that, you know, nobody for the rest of us. Um, But it is what it is, man. And we got to do something like Alfonso said, because they're just going to keep coming no matter what. Because like Waco said, and Eddie said, we fucked shit up over there so much that they're out of there. So 
Why aren't we doing something about it? Instead of building a bullshit ass wall, go down there and fix stuff like we do in all these countries in the Middle East, right? Because we just go over there to fix stuff. We don't need anything else, right? <laughs> You're right, Frank. <laughs> yeah, what was the name of that program uh, after World, World uh, uh, but, War II? But it it is what it is, man. Up. Marshall Plan. Yeah, yeah but we, we need a Marshall Plan, man, for Latin America. Yeah, yeah. We'll call it the Eduardo Plan. Fuck Marshall. Sure. Today's, uh, my, my segment focuses on unsung heroes. And today I'm going to focus on the Honorable Sue Cochran. Um, Sue uh, survived a traumatic childhood and became a uh, pioneer for family court judges. Um, throughout her career, she strived, in, in her words, to put the heart back into the body of the law. Her first cancer diagnosis came when her three adopted sons were little more than babies. In the 18 years that followed, she lived in love through a series of serious diagnoses, including stage four breast cancer and a brain tumor that was deemed inoperable. In the midst of, of intense and difficult treatment uh, regimens, she never stopped learning and leaning towards the light. On February 13, 2021, Sue passed peacefully at home. Um, I, I want to honor her life and legacy uh, by sharing uh, her final speech. Um, she made this speech on September 7th, 2018 um, in front of a in front of an innovative national healthcare organization. Um, the name of the speech is uh, Kintsugi, the golden joinery of love. Uh, her speech goes as follows, followed, excuse me. Um, this method of restoring breakage with gold is called Kintsugi and translates as golden joinery. I did some quick research and discovered that Kintsugi is an outgrowth of the Japanese philosophy wabi-sabi, which honors the beauty of imperfections. The kintsugi artisan uses gold and other precious metals mixed with epoxy to repair the broken pieces. This method emphasizes rather than hides the breakage. The repaired piece is often considered even more beautiful than the original. Kintsugi embraces the breakage as part of the object's history instead of something unacceptable to be hidden or thrown away. This is the opposite of what I was taught. I learned that I was supposed to be perfect, that I must hide any imperfections. This belief is embedded in our culture. If something is broken, toss it out. If someone is broken, toss them out or hide them. Kintsugi was the perfect metaphor for how I was able to find healing in a life that for a long time was not only cracked, but broken apart and in a few places shattered beyond recognition. When I was suffering as a child in a home filled with violence, alcoholism, and poverty, my maternal grandmother would take care of me and my younger brother almost every weekend. I remember rushing in to hug her ample body, always in a faded small print dress, her cheeks red from baking, gardening, making soap, and caning. My grandparents created a small farm in their inner city backyard. Whatever else they needed, our grandfather built by hand. They raised four kids during the Great Depression and through their hard work and faith, um, every night we said the rosary and every mor morning went to mass. Afterwards, I could swing under the great barber for hours, sit at the oak table in her kitchen eating fresh apple pie and watching her cook. We didn't say much, but I basked in the warmth of her loving presence. During those frightening times of my life, my grandmother healed me with her unconditional love. 
In my early 20s, my grandparents and parents died. I turned to alcohol to block out the pain. I constantly wished that my childhood had been a different one, that I had been born into a different family with different circumstances. I resented spending most of my time trying to recover from the damage. It was hard trying to fix myself. And to be honest, that shit never really worked anyway. Learning from Kintsugi helped me look back and realize that my greatest wish was to be unbroken pottery instead of who I really am. That caused me so much suffering because it was impossible. When I finally had the courage to show those broken edges to others, to my brother, to my dear friends in AA, in counseling and in safe communities, I received acceptance and was loved and respected just the way I was. In the same way my grandmother did, my broken parts were transformed into what students of Kintsugi called precious scars, which honored my whole life, leaving nothing out. There are many ways to find healing beyond what I share share here. It can be painstaking practice. Mine was not quick or easy, and it's still ongoing. Like the skill that and care required to do Kintsugi restoration. Through it all, I keep coming back to love as the answer, the golden repair that has lasted. I found that I needed to find unconditional love for myself too, and not just seek that from others. Then I found that I could begin to love others, whole beings without judgment. I believe this helped me be a far better parent, friend, and family member, and it changed the course of my professional life. Best of all, Others who are having a difficult healing journey seem to find inspiration when they see my extensive golden scars. And for that, I am grateful. I no longer think of my broken parts as wounds. They are part of my history and who I have become. As an ancient Kintsugi quote says, the true life of a bowl began the moment it was dropped. Um, and that that's the end of her speech. Uh, do you guys mind if I share uh, one of her poems and a couple of her favorite quotes? It'll be real quick. Go ahead. Go for it, it, man. Okay. The guest house by Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning is a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. So momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door, laughing, invite them in and give them a hug. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And uh, a couple of her favorite quotes, uh, love your crooked neighbor with all your crooked heart. (laughs) And uh, uh, one more that I really, really like. Uh, In fact, it's one of my favorite quotes quotes be kind whenever possible it's always possible from the dalai lama so sue wherever you're at rest in peace god bless you i i hope you found i i know you found peace uh, on the other side sue uh thank you for for uh for all that you have done salute cheers cheers that was cool thanks that that gave me goosebumps man Mm. that really did that was cool and dude, it's it's crazy, man. It's just as you were talking, it made me reflect. You know, just it, it's true, man. We we try to put up a, a lot of times. You know, we get we get kind of caught up when we try to put up a front to to others. You know, around us. You know, we try to portray an image that it, you know isn't true. You mm-hmm. know, 
we we gotta remind ourselves that it's okay not to be perfect. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, not everything about us is great. There's a lot of there's a lot of turmoil within everybody. You know, and you kind of have to accept it. You know, because it's it's part of you. And it made me think of that song, um, uh, Saul Williams. Um, what is it? A Black Stacy? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not familiar. Yeah. No. Ooh. Yeah, man, you gotta check that out. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great song. Yeah, he's a spoken word poet turned musician rapper. I mean, he's he's and Black Stacy is really really a good good song. Yeah, you gotta check it out, man. It's um, he's got he's got a lyric and it says um, you know um, let me see if I can remember it correctly. And it kind of like played in my mind as you were talking. It's some you bother players. I'm talking you. you t- I'm talking to you because not everything about you can you know what I'm saying? Like he's calling them out saying, you know, all the people out there who think you, you know, you're tough or whatever. Yeah. You, you can't be like that. You, you're vulnerable just like the rest of us, you know? Yeah. So, um, no one an, keeps it 100. Yeah. That's yeah, impossible. Man. Yeah, no, it's impossible. You're right. So, man, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. I, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm able to shine a light on, on Sue Cochran. She, I mean, she adopted three kids. Uh, she became a, a kids judge and and looked out for the best interests of the children. You know, she she's a a true saint. Yeah, she's an angel. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> I wish there was, you know, I wish every judge carried that mentality into the courtroom. You know, when they when they went out and made their decisions. You know, um, I mean, you know, to put yourself in in the the person you're judging shoes. And then to also carry that, you know, not everyone is perfect mentality. Um, you know, I think that would, you know, I think that would help us all out a lot, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and and to the judge that that uh, who whose heart has turned uh, to stone, you know, he that judge he or she deserves forgiveness as well. Um, and hopefully they'll come, they'll lean towards the light once again, you know? Yeah, that's right. To er- everyone that's that's ever wronged us and to all the people that I've wronged, you know, let, let's forgive each other. Or at least let's try. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about it is the first step, brother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. All right. So that's that's it for me, fellas. All right. Baco? Hey, uh, so, you know, I'm always going to kind of bring a legal spin to our conversation i think eddie's eddie's uh, uh if this is about poop dude i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> oh he's gonna advertise dude frank is uh bringing back that that old campaign so where the fuck is the poop if it's not about poop i don't want to hear it yeah <laughs> Joaquin's segment's called Chasing Ambulances with Joaquin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, man. I I did this shit to myself, so I deserve it again. You know? See what all your hard work did to you? And you know, here's where I and and then you're gonna hear the story. I'm gonna tell and you're gonna be like, oh Joaquin, he is still a piece of shit. <laughs> the whole time you're talking, that's what I'm thinking, dude. <laughs> yeah, Fine. I know. For Frank like sees shit. <laughs> For Frank sees shit, I see golden scars. I'm like, oh. fool, I saw you pick up a cigarette butt out of the gutter and put it in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no judge. That, that is took the talk. We all took a talk, man. I still want to drink Smirnoff Ice. So. <laughs> well, me either. I'm drinking Smirnoff Ice Smash. So. I know. I know you're in Iowa. And they don't have cool shit like this out there. No, you no. guys are all vaccinated. And- we drink whiskey we and beer like men. <laughs> so, okay, so I got a story, and I think I think it's kind of like a popular case. At least it was a, lot, a few years ago, and there was like memes about this case and shit. And so, but I wanted to dig. You know, sometimes, like I said, we you know the last time I was on, we talked about the McDonald's case where the lady spilled coffee, and then you start yeah. to hear more of the story unfold, and you're like, man, she got fucked up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so then you feel a little more curtain sympathy. on McDonald's. That's right. You feel a little bit more sympathy for the person that was wronged, you know? So um right now I'm gonna talk about this case. That's that why Alfonso it, goes to McDonald's and drop takes poops and don't flush the toilet now. Upper deckers. Up, upper deckers. Upper deckers. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Classy. Very classy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Waco, back to your story. So what were you it's, saying? It's sort of fondly spoken to of uh, 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 called the lawyer dog case, where basically, uh, and there was memes about this case and shit on the internet. It was all over Reddit, people talking about it. And so uh, there was a gentleman, the basics are, there's a gentleman named uh, Warren Demes- Demesme, uh, a good uh, 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 French Caribbean name. He was age 22. And uh, he's out of, he was in uh, Louisiana, New Orleans, and uh, the New Orleans Police Department, they kept pulling him in, telling him that, uh, you know, they wanted to interview him for some allegations of sexual assault on two juvenile victims. Uh, one, one was a teenager and one was a preteen. Holy smokes. Right. So, so let's just put those, those allegations, those are very serious allegations. And in the state of Louisiana, those carry a, a mandatory life sentence. Now, I, I always come from the line of thinking that, hey, you're innocent until you're proven guilty, you know? So those are the, those are, these are just allegations against them. So they pulled him in for interrogation two times and, and, and he volunteered to go into the interrogation basically, right? And so that's his first mistake is if you, if you, you should never, ever, ever make a statement to the police officer if you're being arrested or doing an interrogation without a lawyer, never do that. Because hey, we've all heard them, like we all watch cops and what do they say? You have the right to uh, an attorney. Anything you say can and will be used against you, right? Well, yes. they don't say anything that you say can and will be used to help you, you know? So they're not ever going to use anything you fucking say in those in those uh, interrogations for your benefit. They're never going to use that. They're always going to use it to harm you. So the number one thing is if you're going in for an interrogation or you need to make a statement to the police officers, always, shut the fuck up. always do it with the lawyer. Or, yes, that's even a better answer. Shut the fuck up and don't say anything to them. So... In the second interrogation, they recorded these interrogations and they keep accusing him. So finally, he says, and this is his exact quote. He says, if y'all, this is how I feel. If y'all think I did it, I know that I didn't. So uh, that I didn't do it. So why don't you just give me a lawyer, dog? Because this is not what's up. So what? So here's the thing is, is uh, and that's the next thing that you should do if you're ever arrested. You should always ask for a lawyer. Right. If you're ever being interrogated, you should ask for a lawyer because that evokes your you have a, a right under the Sixth Amendment to have a, of the Constitution to have a lawyer present. <clears throat> That's called evoking your right to counsel. 
So at this point, when he says, uh, just give me a lawyer, dog, basically he's evoked his sixth right to counsel. Now that when that happens, they kick it, that kicks in some shit, right? One is that that uh, interrogation should cease immediately until you get a lawyer, right? So that it should stop immediately. And if it does continue, then then you can suppress anything you say after that, which means you can just it's like a ne- it's like you never said it. Right. It's mm. like it's like you just like they're going to try to use that against you. And you say no. Or like, let's say you uh, you admit to killing someone during that time, but you already asked for a lawyer. Well, that part of you admitting to killing someone that can't come in because you you didn't have you didn't you already evoked your right to counsel. And if you're not if your counsel isn't present, that's it's just thrown out. Right. Which wow. is good. it's good and it's bad, right? But it, but that's something that a lot of people don't know, right? So that's what I'm saying. You get arrested. I need a lawyer immediately. Is the first thing you should say. Um. So at this point, that the when he says his statement, um, just give me a lawyer, dog. At this point, the interrogation should have stopped, right? Um, because he hasn't. Yeah, uh, because he evoked his right to counsel, and and the the interrogation actually. Um, continues. The New Orleans Police Department, they continue interrogating him at this point. And so during the second inter- or the be- continuance of the interrogation after he's evoked right, his right to cancel, he's under a lot of pressure from the New Orleans Police Department. He says, fine, you know, I admit to having sex with one of the underage, but not the other, you know, not the younger one. Boom, that's game over. You know what I mean? Mandatory life sentence once you say that shit, right? So his, uh, his lawyer files a motion to suppress anything that he said after that because he said they he said yeah i said uh you know that that i want he said he wanted a lawyer my client said he wanted a lawyer you guys kept kept uh interrogating him and the lawyer and basically what happens is they say no he asked for a lawyer dog he didn't ask for a lawyer oh Oh, dirty motherfuckers (laughs) hey hey let me ask you a question hey you've met that fool in fresno a million times that says dog after every every other word you know what i mean and and like when I was a kid, it used to kind of like in the early 2000s, it was kind of like it would get a little annoying. But now when I hear people talk like that, it reminds me of home. You know what I mean? So like I, I like but I mean, everybody says the word dog. It's like some of the most common, uh, some of the most common slang ever. You know what I mean? Like uh, what's that fool on American Idol? That's like he's like, oh, dog, that's a no for me. You know what I mean? It's like your grandma, <laughs> knows, your grandma knows that dog is is slang and what and what it means you know what i'm saying everybody knows what that slang means so at the at the motion to um to suppress uh the judge karen herman remember her name judge karen herman she says as this court is written here's a quote from her as this court has written if a suspect makes a reference to an attorney that is ambiguous or equivocal, so they're saying asking for a lawyer dog is ambiguous, that a reasonable police officer, in light of the circumstances, would have understood only that uh, the suspect might be invoking his right to counsel. So to me, it, she's saying a reasonable police officer would have had to have, have known that this was uh, him invoking his right to counsel. And to me, if you're if you're not understanding that he's invoke he wants a lawyer in that minute, um, you're unreasonable. You're not a reasonable uh yeah, no shit. Be, cop, you know what right? I mean? Like you're being unreasonable if you don't think that this dude is asking for a fucking lawyer when he says, I want a lawyer, dog, you are being unreasonable. You're you're below the bar. Like that motherfucker can't even tie his shoes, type of shit. Right, that's <laughs> right. So so she says uh, his uh, the cessation of questioning is not required, right? 
And so it says, in my view, the, the defendant's ambiguous and equivocal reference to a lawyer dog does not constitute an invocation of counsel that warrants termination of the interview, which I think is absolute bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, and in Louisiana, you know, is a state that has is notorious for trampling on the rights of, of the of the um you know, people that are blacks and, and Latinos that are arrested and the poor, to be honest, you know, poor white folks as well. If you're arrested, I mean, and you're in Louisiana, good luck, you know, because, uh, you know, you're most likely um, you're most likely going to prison. And that's yeah. why, you know, I go to New Orleans a lot. I love New Orleans, you know. Um, but, man, one of the first times I was there, I was playing cards and I met this uh, OG there and um, he was from Oakland and I had lived in Oakland at the time. And so me and him were talking and he says, uh, he says, Hey man, um, this ain't the Oaks card room, you know, and with, which is a card room in Oakland. And he says, uh, if you got to watch out for the police here, man, he's like, they're real serious and they'll take you down real quick. And I was like, no shit. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm just telling you, you know, cause I know you're from Oakland. He's like, be, be careful out here. You know, and I and and I'm not to speak, you know, negatively about uh, New Orleans specifically, because like I said, I love that place. If we, if I had a chance to go right now, if I was vaccinated, I'd go right today. But you know, there is there is a, a undercurrent there in their police department as well. Mm. So, you know, basically what happened is this this uh, case, you know, it goes all the this uh, motion to suppress. It, it gets appealed. It gets appealed. It's appealed all the way to the Supreme Court of the state of Louisiana. And the state of Louisiana, the Supreme Court uh, agrees six to one, their Supreme Court, that he didn't uh, ask for a lawyer in that statement. No. You know what I mean? I mean, wow. right, man. And, wow. and so that statement's, uh, you know, he's, he's on, he's, he's basically, that statement's going to be used against him. Uh, he's, you know, basically serving a life sentence right now. I mean, man, that is a, that is a shitty lack of a use of a comma that put that dude in prison for the rest of his life. You know what I mean? I mean, if, if you run those two words, lawyer dog together, then, uh, then he wasn't asking for a lawyer. He's asking for a lawyer dog. If you put a comma after the word, uh, lawyer and dog, then he's, he's asking for a lawyer. So dude, but who I mean, the fuck ever has met a lawyer dog? Oh, get the lawyer dog. He's, he wants the lawyer <laughs> right? dog. Go br bring him in. Bring him in. Right? Dude, that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely ridiculous, man. And somebody, and, and here's the thing, right? Is, you know, I mean, people on both sides of, of whatever the, the spectrum can see that this is bullshit. And, and look at this, man. We're about to, I mean, now, don't get me wrong. He may or may not have done it. But the interrogation was illegal. And when you do an illegal interrogation, then, then there's repercussions of that. Those, new, those police officers have done interrogations before. They know what they can do and what they can't do. They, did, they knew that they were doing something wrong, and they did it anyways. And so sometimes when you fuck up like that as a police officer, you let people off. And that should be the case in this situation. They made a grave mistake. And because of that grave mistake, it was not just a mistake, a general mistake. It was a mistake against his Sixth Amendment constitutional right. So, so that's the thing is if you break a constitutional rule, then guess what? Sometimes big repercussions come from that shit, right? Mm -hmm. So this was the problem that that's sort of the problem that I had with that, you know, is if some if we're guaranteed a constitutional right and then you infringe on that person's constitutional right, I mean, it, it just shows the seriousness of the right that you have to a lawyer, right? So, so that's why why we have these checks on police officers in this instance. 
So I guess basically what my um, advice is from this from this scenario, you know, what we can all learn is, look, man, when, if you are ever arrested and they're asking you to say something, the first thing you say is very clearly and very concisely, I want my lawyer now or I want a lawyer now. And then don't say shit after that. I tell this to my kids. I tell this to my friends. I tell this to basically everybody I know, you know, they're never going to use the, what you say to help you. Just say, I need a lawyer and shut the conversation down. You know, I mean, after that, the next person you should be talking to is your lawyer. No, not anybody in law enforcement. I mean, and it's not, it's not to say that I want to help bad people get away with stuff, but I want you to be, use your full um, rights that are guaranteed to you by the constitution. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So you, you don't want. You, I'm not an ambulance chaser. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's something. A, that's something an ambulance chaser would say. <laughs> oh, true that. True that. <laughs> no. Uh, look, yeah, you're 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 also helping good people, man. No, I'm uh, trying my best, man. I really the am. The cops and aren't I, your friends. No, this. Well, I wouldn't say that, man. You know, I mean, I don't want to. Either they're also not my enemies, right? Like cops are my enemies, but I mean, it, it, in this situation, you know, you know, you've got to protect yourself. And if you're under arrest, it's very serious. It's a very serious situation, you know, and you need to take it as seriously as possible because they know tricks. They know, you know, uh, uh, they've done interrogations before. Probably if you're getting arrested and you're being interrogated, that's probably never happened to you. Yeah. And they yeah. know exactly. And so it's their, it's your first time and it's their thousandth time. And if yeah. someone's done something a thousand times, they know rules and, and, yeah. and moves, you know what I mean? That they can move use on you that you just don't know, that you're just not familiar with. And so unless you've had a lawyer talk to you and say, hey, man, you shouldn't be saying anything, then you'll never know, you know? Yeah. I mean, people if people are always going to just try to, you know, if someone accuses you of something, your first natural inclination is just to say, hey, man, uh, I didn't do it. And here's why. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. I understand that, you know, you want to exonerate yourself, you want to clear your name, but hey, man, they, they got ways, they got moves, and, and you yeah. need to cover yourself, you know? And, and the thing, too, is is if once you hire a lawyer, what's the first thing the lawyer, the, let's say uh, for uh, this, this gentleman here, Warren, let's say his lawyer comes in, what's the first thing his lawyer is going to ask him as soon as he sees his ass, he's going to say, what'd you say? What'd you say? Mm -hmm. That's right. Would you I say? watch CSI? That's right. <laughs> right. I'll, uh, Law and uh, order. Society, I know. You know what I mean? I've seen all those. And so you're right. It's like, what'd you say? Because they know what they want to know is what do I got to fix? What did you tell them already that now I got to, I got to, you know. How much dog shit you step in, That's boy. right. That's exactly right, man. And so, you know, I'm just trying to just give people out here the knowledge, you know, because that, I mean, that really is the reason I went to law school is. You know, I would see regular people like us and they didn't know the rules. And then I would see them get run over by the law. You know oh, what I mean? And yeah. so I'm that to, story, man. And so one of the yeah. times that I'm trying to, you know, one of the things with this podcast, you know, if I can amplify my voice a little bit to, so that people can know their rights and know what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing in those situations and just give them a little more of an advantage than they might have had without it, then hell yeah, I want to do that, you know? Thanks You're awesome, sure, man. Dude. We appreciate that. No, yeah. no, no, definitely, man. I, I, I always appreciate being here. And real, being able to real quick, Joaquin. What's up? Um, um, just, just um, a thought. So let's say I am getting pulled over, mm -hmm. and you're my attorney. Mm -hmm. Should, should I call you right then and there? 
can I like say, hey, Google, call Joaquin Flores? You know, to be honest, and I think we talked about this in the last time I was on, but to be honest, the recording would be the better, uh, the the better evidence at the time. You know what I mean? And and so I'll say, Eddie, get your burner phone out, record this cop. Yeah, if you're gonna, I mean, and I say, I say, put a dash cam on your car at all times, one that can swivel towards the driver's side door if you needed to. You know? Okay. Um, because to me, that's a better use of your of your resources at the time. And it's not you're you can be still be fully engaged with the police officer. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, still have your bases covered. Whereas if you're talking on the phone to me, you know what I mean? It's kind of like you're distracted. And and then you've also got a police officer that you're trying to deal with at the same time. You know, I always tell people uh, no, no furtive movements. Don't, don't make no sharp movements, and and uh, try to be respectful if you can. But at the same time, you don't need to be in fear. You know, I mean, you don't. You want to be know your rights, and that help you eliminate some of that fear. Yeah, that Thank sounds you, like sir. when I bring someone to Eddie's barbecue, and I'm like, all right, fool, just go in, be cool, don't worry about Eddie's snacking stuff off your plate. <laughs> 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 it's hey, hard not to be intimidated by Eddie, man. Yeah, man. Especially, <laughs> especially, especially when he's looking at your chicken wing, like motherfucker, <laughs> you gonna eat that motherfucker? Give it I'm over here. I'm the state of Louisiana of barbecues. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, oh hey, shit! But, I'm getting this full of plaque. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, but but no joke though, um, uh, Joaquin. Here, here's here's something that I was thinking about when you were when you were talking right now. So, a lot of people think they can they can talk them, them themselves out of a ticket or out of being arrested. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that I think that's where the problem lies. And you know, here's the thing. Like, um, long time ago, right? I I was in a situation early on, man, when I was 21. That I, you know, I got, I got a Dewey. Um, So it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know what I was dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's my first encounter with with a police officer, um, you know, and it just, it's one of those things where you don't know. And then you just kind Mm -hmm. of like, oh, if I could just play it cool. And if I could just like, you know, kind of like charm my way out of this, I'll be cool. Yeah, I mean, that's your ego, you know what I mean? And when you're 21 you're years old, you know, <laughs> you know your your ego's like, "Hey, you know, I'm I I know I'm smart enough to get out of this." But when it comes down to it, man, really the law is on their side and and they've got all the all they've got the cheat codes, you know what I mean? And so really, you know, I would say if you know you're fucked, you know what I mean? Just be quiet, man. It's the best thing that you can do. I mean, it's you want to be as polite in in those type of things as you can, you know, but not, but you're you're probably not talking your way out of it. It's if the dude wants to be cool with you or not, and that's completely up to him, you know. Right. Um, and, and if the cops, you know, feels like cutting you a break or whatever the case may be, you know that that might happen. But you know, nine times out of ten, you're not you're gonna talk yourself deeper in than you're gonna. You know, like, cause they ask you right off the bat, like, hey, have you had anything to drink? Like, hey, you know, I really don't feel like discussing anything that I did in my day to day, sir. Is there any reason that uh, am I, you know, am I free to go? You know, <laughs> I mean, if you're drunk already, I mean, he he's going to know and he might ask you to get out of the car at that point. And, and, and here's the thing. Even if you if you're not 
over the limit. You know, saying even if you're if you're not at that point, never the fact that the, yeah, the fact that you just say yeah, I had a, I had a drink, like it, it's already incriminating yourself, right? Yeah, never. Even hey, check this out. So sometimes it can say uh, certain states' laws say if you're under the influence of a mind altering drug, right? So mm-hmm. if you took uh, Prozac, Zoloft, uh, something like that earlier that day. A police officer can arrest you or, or take your license away right at that point. So if they ask you anything like that, if you have, you know, if you had any, in, have you taken any medications? I would never admit that. And they, and and that's not just me talking. You know, I mean, us lawyers, we have these uh, continuing legal education, and they tell you that right there. They tell you, hey, if you ever get pulled over by a police officer, and they ask you, you know, are you taking antidepressants or anything like that? You just say, I don't, I don't feel like discussing my day with you, officer. Is there anything that I can do to help you? Or, you know, can I leave? That kind of shit. Because you say stuff, anything, you know, anything can be a reason for them to arrest you, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean it, it's like, you know, uh, there's a rule basically, you know, what my job really entails is a lot of uh, uh, contract drafting, right? So I draft a lot of contracts. And, and basically, the, like one of my contract professors and mentors as when I was, you know, in law school, he says, uh, he says, you want to write a contract so that as soon as the guy, uh, the other guy signing it walks out of the door, he's already uh, breached the contract. You know what I mean? And so basically, that's the same thing with the law. So it's it right. I mean, it's a relationship that makes the contract stick right it's the relationship that makes it stay so so that's the same thing with the with the laws you know is as soon as you walk they walk up to your car and pull you over there's already already a reason to to arrest you you know what i mean there's already i mean and if you just give them one little you know a a scrap of help you're not doing yourself any favors man you know it's 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 keep it as quiet as you can and and just keep to you know anything like i i I hate to keep saying this but it's like a chess match you know or jujitsu it's like you give your opponent something and then your opponent finds a way to to take advantage of that and that's how you should come thinking into a police an interaction with the police officer you know is is whatever you're giving they're going to take it and use it against you you know um if if you're breaking the law there you go frank next time you get you get in a in a tussle with a police officer you put him in a bow and arrow I did not suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's what I took from it. I'm just saying. As long no, as it's, no, uh, that, as long that's... as it's a grappling for the badges a tournament, no it problem. It sounds like it sounds like you guys definitely need lawyers. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that how started tripping for Frank. All right, man. Well, so for my story, uh, I'm going to be sharing. You know, we just uh, celebrated St. Patrick's Day. Do you guys have a beer on Wednesday? Of course. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had a beer also, and um, <laughs> no, I did not, officer. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I was, I started looking up some stuff online, and I came across a story about uh, a group of uh, Irish soldiers that helped out during the Mexican American War. So during the Mexican American War, you know, the United States was was at war with Mexico trying to get some of the states that were on the western side of of North America. And uh, at the time, there was a lot of immigrants in the United States. And one of those groups was was the Irish. And the Irish uh, practiced Catholicism along with a lot of Mexicans. And so during this time, a lot of the 
Irish immigrants felt alienated in the United States because they were Catholic. And I guess the majority of Americans at that time were Protestant. And so uh, Mexico uh, tried to do play a little chess with the United States when the United States was playing checkers, I guess, and offered a lot of these Irish immigrants. Uh, they just offered them a little bit of fruit or something to just, just try to get them to switch sides. You know, they told them, hey, you know what? If you defect, come over here, join us and help us fight. When this is all done, we'll give you X, Y and Z. And. Part of that was they said that once it was over, they'd be promised jobs and got paid a little bit more. Uh, and one thing that kind of stuck out that I read was that they were promised 320 acres of land upon the end of this war. So, I mean, can you imagine getting free oh. 320 acres of land as long as you survive, which is fucking crazy, you know, because shit was way crazier back then. Um, but that's a lot of fucking land, man. 320 acres. And so some of these guys did defect over and joined uh, the Mexican army and they created this little militia, this little battalion called the St. Patrick's Day or actually, I'm sorry. Uh, I lost the name here. San Patricio. They call them Los San, Los San Patricio. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the Los San Patricios. Uh, I found another name that they went by called Los Color, Colorados Valientes. Some red brave guys, I guess. Is that why my tia has red hair? Right. <laughs> Maybe Canelo for sure. Canelo. Oh, she's a spitfire, <laughs> a Hellcat. No, that was that was hydrogen yeah. peroxide. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> my other my my, my I'm other gonna edit tia, that out. My other tia has a has a hair color that I like to I, I like to call hood rat blonde blonde. <laughs> Black eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's magnificent. <laughs> All right. Bye, man, go, don't ahead. <laughs> go ahead, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, uh, so that was that that was offered, and a lot of them joined, and it wasn't, you know, and this in this battalion, it was, I guess, not primarily Irish, because there was a lot of Canadians and other nationalities that joined, but uh for some reason, the Irish in that group uh, took the majority of the, the attention or whatnot. So that's why they were named Los San Patricios. But these guys were kick-ass, man. And although they ended up losing the war, they fucking gave it their all, man. And they did try to help out as much as they could. Um, they did slow the United States down. But, you know, we're living in California, not California. So mm -hmm. you guys know the end result. And unfortunately, uh, when these guys were captured by the U.S. Army, uh, most of them were executed. But there are stories of some of them that ended up surviving. And I, I, it sounds like not all of them got what they were promised, you know, uh, said a lot of them ended up homeless and begging on the streets. Uh, but there were some that oh, shit. went after that land and asked for that land that they were supposed to get. And did they and they did get it. Um, but some of them were unfortunately uh, killed for some reason or another after the war, even though they survived the war. You know, that's Damn. a motherfucker surviving a war and then you get killed by your own people. Um, but yeah, man, uh, just another reason to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, you know, man, you know, so I appreciate these guys and what they did. Um, unfortunately, Mexico and them came up a little short, but hey. That's it's the way it goes, you know, and mm -hmm. we're in California now. Slange. Uh, you said you knew a lot about this, too. What What's does that, that mean? Slange is uh, so that Protestants mean? say cheers and Catholics in Ireland say slange. It just means cheers. It's like, ah, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. I got yeah. a last drink here. Slange. Slange to the Irish. Slange. 
That's what's up. All right. Yeah. So that's that's my story, man. That's awesome, man. That's some good shit, man. Um, Just on a side note, um, a lot of the Irish traded in their land for a bottle of whiskey and a six pack of Guinness. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Worth it, people. (laughs) It was worth it. Yeah, they fought valiantly along our side, and Eddie flares them at the last moment. <laughs> hey, if that's not the most way Mexican to go, Eddie, ever, then I don't know what is. For reals, you know Mexicans are fucking haters. We'll rank on you, fool. We'll rank. <laughs> well, your own grandma will rank on you. Yeah, that, that is one hundred percent true. <laughs> <laughs> Fool, your grandma's the one that started calling you Gordo when you were two. <laughs> <laughs> she told everybody to call you that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was your grandma who called you that shit. Oh, I love that. I love it. Oh, no, thank you to the Irish. Yeah. No, God bless cool, them. That's real. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Anybody else have anything you guys want to share? We got to rekindle some of that Irish-Mexican love these days, man. I feel like Mexicans and Irish don't get along like like they did back during this time, man. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, well, it starts off with you well there, Waco, because you hey, were talking shit you. about it earlier. Send it. Send it. You know what I mean? You got to take the I'm first down. step, Waco. That's right. <laughs> Just so you know, guys, um, Bushmills is protestant irish whiskey never drink Bushmills. you got to drink jameson that's catholic irish whiskey never that's like a big deal is it is it is it also um is it as catholic i'm gonna go in stores and just knock start knocking that shit off the shelves amen (laughs) i'm gonna go back to mass just so i can do that will he will he erase my sins is is that is it that catholic oh yeah just all you have to do is go to confession man okay all right it's your done Forgotten. <laughs> if you can't remember, if you can't remember, then you got no sense. <laughs> Never happened. All right, fellas. Uh, the All Lakers right. are playing. All I right. got to get going. Oh. All right. All right, man. Fonzo, Waco, Eddie, anything you want to add before we cut out? No, just thanks for having Eddie? me, guys. I, I love these conversations. I love these sessions, man. I always learn something, and uh, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Thank you guys for having me on the podcast. Uh, thank you, Joaquin. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Alfonso. Um, I'm looking forward to Alfonso and Joaquin moving back to Fresno, man. I, I can't <laughs> wait to see you guys and hang out with you guys. Yes. Hell yeah. You're going to create a lot of good memories. Thank you, man. And I just want to say thank you Sex both days. for being on. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's later. You 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 kind of you you jumped you jumped the gun on that. You shouldn't be announcing that. Fans only page. Yeah, yeah, there we go. My bad. Uh, no, curtains, man. Pulled the curtains a little too early on that one. My bad. Yeah, I got did. too excited. That's fucked up, man. Um, no, I just want to say thank you both uh, and everybody for being on here. Um, Jujiteros out there. Hope you guys like this episode. We'll catch you guys next time. All right. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you guys had a great night and enjoyed this week's episode. Safe out. Stay safe out there. In the meantime, check out our website at jujuteroc2c.com for all our episodes and videos. Uh, but you got to pay extra for those fans-only page, uh, fans-only <laughs> videos, all right? Until next time, peace!
Virginia is for eaters and drinkers, all kinds of eaters and drinkers, for oyster shuckers and slurpers, winery samplers or all-day wine drinkers, brewery hoppers and distillery sippers, for those who order grits and those who order cheese grits. We all know what the right way to order is. For barbecue triers who turn into finger lickers and meat off the bone suckers. All right, all this talk of food is making me hungry. I gotta go get some mac and cheese. Like I was saying, Virginia is for all sorts of food lovers. So come love it for yourself.